Welcome back to another episode of the Behind the Counter Show. Today we are here with Dr. Jack Desai at Core Medical and Wellness in Lynnhurst, New Jersey. Dr. Desai also has offices in Aberdeen and Clifton, New Jersey. And Dr. Desai specializes in regenerative sports medicine and, of course, also pain medicine, which is what we're here to talk about today. And John uh, from HP Pharmacy, one of the pharmacists there as well. My name is Vince. Good afternoon, everybody. Doctor, thank you so much for inviting us once again into your office. I have to compliment you on the facility. It's a really amazing and uh you really did a nice job putting it together a lot of thought and you feel better just coming in i have to tell you oh, it's really you. very welcoming so <laughs> thank well you. done yeah. with that part of it yeah we designed it uh specifically to give patients and and their family you know a personalized uh experience um especially now you know in, in the post 2020 you know covid era we, we designed it in a way to provide for social distancing privacy and um um, and an overall um, better, safer experience. Yeah, sure. Thank it's you. Working looks great. <laughs> and speaking of the COVID era, we're talking about pain management. And honestly, going back to 2019, even early 2020, before the pandemic, this was probably the biggest hot button issue in the healthcare space that kind of was overshadowed by the pandemic last year. Um, so being in the pain management space, obviously, there's a little bit of a stigma, and we see the same thing at the pharmacy. There's a, right. you know, with all the regulation change and that kind of stuff. And we're here today to talk about responsible pain management and how, you know, yes, there's some abuses and that kind of stuff, but there is a place for it when done responsibly in healthcare. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the opioid uh, crisis was um, up front and center um, in healthcare, um, rightfully so. I mean, there was definitely a need to address it um, because. Uh, it needs to be done safely, ethically, and um, then there was a need for change and reform. So I'm glad it was, you know, was being discussed, and, and I'm glad you're discussing it today because we don't want to forget about it. Sure, sure. So what are the types of patients and issues that you see in, in the pain space, and when do you recommend pain medication? How do you look at it? Let's, I guess, kind of start broadly there. Yeah, so, you know, pain... Um, there was a time when it was being promoted as a vital sign and uh, the fifth vital sign and um, it was a way to gauge how the, you know a patient or individual is doing health-wise because your body uh, uses pain as a way to signal something is, is not working properly. And then from there, you know, the specialty of pain medicine involves, you know, treating multiple aspects of injury, whether it be uh, pain related from orthopedic and sports injuries, whether it be pain related from cancer and, and, uh, and tumor uh, disease, um, whether it be from neurologic disease, uh, muscle spasticity, all these different um, components, you know, can cause pain um, and they can all require some form of treatment, one versus the other, and it's our job to try and find um, a safe um, uh, approach to treating it. Sure. So how do you manage it at that sense? I guess, like, when do you decide, okay, this is, you know, gone beyond physical therapy or some of those, those, those kinds of things and crossed into that, like in the sports realm for, specifically, for example? How do you kind of differentiate that? And, you know, I'm assuming you look at each patient differently and that kind of stuff then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you start with, you know, each patient individually, you get a history, understand what the injury was, understand the time frame of it. You know, determine whether it's an acute injury versus more of a chronic injury um, because those are important to, to differentiate in terms of how you're going to treat uh, an acute injury versus something that's becoming more chronic and what the mechanisms are that are making it chronic. And once you understand those, then you'll be able to come up with a little bit more of a, a, a finer-tuned treatment plan. Sure. What about on the, the regulatory end now, too? Like, there's this, this pain contract 
going around now or paying time track thing or whatever. <laughs> and we see some of that at the pharmacy too. So what, I guess, what are those exactly and how do they impact patients and the whole process of going about getting care? Yeah, so uh, the pain contract um, was instituted as a way to try and uh, be more efficient in how a physician is prescribing a certain class of pain medications to a patient. In particular, we're talking about the opioid uh, family of medications. Um, and, and without going into detail of what's in the contract itself, because every medical office or institution will have a different uh, language that they use in the contract, but the pain contract itself is uh, an agreement between a patient and a provider or a facility, such as a pharmacy, in terms of how the medication is going to be prescribed, how it's going to be used, and um, and how it's going to be dispensed. So it essentially is an agreement between uh, two parties that say how the medicine will be prescribed, and usually it includes, you know, the... Uh, restriction of not being able to get the medication from other sources so that way it's uh, not being um, over prescribed or over consumed um, or diverted in any way so it, it, it's a good effort um, and, and the necessary uh, component of, of pain management I've heard you even say times before too John about you know in related to that treating patients locally and especially the prescriptions expire much sooner now than they used to as well right so having that local element can add, you know, some element to the care, make sure it's monitored effectively and that kind of stuff too, but also make sure it's not abused in that sense as well. Right, well I think that, you know, just like with most things with, uh, with regardless of what the uh, uh, medical issue is, in this particular case we're focusing on pain management, but if you're working closely with the doctor and the, the patient's coming in, the, the doctor going to one pharmacy, that's the best way to manage things. It's when people go to, Two or three doctors or maybe go to two or three pharmacies where you know people start getting into trouble and unfortunately you know, now too with the way that they've developed this uh, prescription monitoring program that we have now we have access to be able to see things in pretty much real time um, if somebody is going uh, to two or three pharmacies or has gone to different doctors and, and the doctors can use that program as well now so and we can check now every every uh, day or month that goes by it's expanding so we can even check more states so we can really check around the whole surrounding area to make sure somebody's not doing something that, you know, maybe hurting themselves. They, you know, get to these points where they're desperate and make some bad decisions. And so this, uh, this, well, these programs like the contract and, and also the monitoring programs help us to make sure we're making sure to take care of the patient, you know. And what's that monitoring program called again? It's a PMP. You down with PMP? Yeah, you <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I, when I first got access to it, I was humming that same song. Were you actually <laughs> the first really time I logged in? I never thought of so that. So it's, yeah. it's a good way to, yeah. to remember to use it. Yeah, so. sure, sure. There you go. <laughs> so in addition to the traditional pain medication, what else do you do here at your office in that space? So... Um, a lot of what I do is interventional pain medicine, which in addition to some of the medications that are available, whether it be anti-inflammatories, anti-neuropathic medications, or the opioid family medications when needed, you know, I do a lot of the interventional stuff, which includes joint injections, whether it be with uh, anti-inflammatory uh, steroid-based medication versus some of the regenerative medicines that are or biologics that are now available, PRP and stem cells uh, being uh, one class of uh, treatment modality. Gotcha. Cool. What's the, I guess, the 
effectiveness of those things or the difference in when you would prescribe one or the other? It's, I didn't realize you did all that other stuff here too in addition to that. Yeah, no, so the effectiveness will obviously vary based upon what you're treating and, sure, and the extent sure. of uh, disease that's you know pr uh, present at that time. Uh, but it's it's a attempt to help your body's normal healing process be optimized, um, help maintain function. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, the athletes nowadays are getting it as a way to recover from soft tissue injury sure. um, and, and slow down overall degeneration so that they can get back into practicing and performing at, at a high level. Gotcha. Interesting, interesting. So beyond the traditional medication and like some of these other more modern innovative approaches, um, you know, there's compounding medication too in pain management. So what kind of um, compounded medication do you recommend when it's relevant and how do those differ, I guess, from some of the traditional approaches? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of compounding medications. Um, I use it myself for certain conditions and symptoms that I have periodically. Um, and I try and you know, recommend it for patients as well because there are a lot of different things you can do um, um, with compounding that um, benefits an individual patient because it's a, a essentially a medication that's individualized for, for an individual patient versus something that comes from um, a big, large pharmaceutical company, which is you know one dose fits all type of uh, approach. Um, but the compounding in itself allows the flexibility of adding various classes of medications, whether it be anti-inflammatories such as diclofenac, um, antineuropathics like Lyrica or pregabalin, um, painkillers such as ketamine. All these different types of um, uh, medications can be compounded uh, um, and provide a right uh, cocktail uh, for the symptom that you're trying to treat. The thing too that I like about um Again, everybody is an individual, and we always look at things uh, uh, that way, whether you're coming to the pharmacy or, or to the doctor's office. And I always stress everybody needs to work together as that triad to, to make sure we're doing the right things for people. But when the compounding solution seems to be the right way to go, the reason why I think that it's great to be able to do that is because, again, also like doctor said, you can tailor the dose exactly um, so you can you know alter it if they need 6 milligrams of 6% of, of lidocaine or 5% or if they need ketoprofen or diclofenac, we can alter the percentages. If it's working, but we need to increase it a little bit, no problem. We're making it right for them, right for, just for them, so it's not a problem. It's not a, an issue at all. It's what we do. But I, I feel like the, the big advantage is the side effect things because a lot of these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, for example, which are great medicines, but, you know, taken in high doses, you can end up with stomach issues, GI bleeds and things. And, you know, sometimes when you're taking things topically, in addition to the fact that you're putting it right on the area where you're having you have an injury, let's say you know whether somebody has a, a knee problem or um, sometimes uh, or whatever particular part of the body that's hurting, you're also bypassing you know taking it orally, which sometimes can uh, cause some unwanted uh, side effects. So sure, you, you have uh, you have some really good perks with doing that. So that could be the right fit for some people. Sure. Now, from your perspective, are these do you look at these sorts of things as a, a complementary treatment to the traditional modalities, or is this like a, a separate kind of category? Do you do these in cohesion with other things, or you mentioned NSAIDs too? Like, how do you? Yeah, I think that? you know you tailor it to to what you're trying to treat and to the individual patient. Sometimes compounding should be the primary modality because, uh, like John alluded to, you know your body may not be able to tolerate a certain dose of a an oral tablet of an anti-inflammatory, and it'll lead to gastritis or heartburn or reflux, and, and, and those are problems that you want to avoid because if you let it you know, uh, play itself out, it can 
not be such a good thing. Yeah. Um, so compounding may be a better approach to, to get the right dosage and, and apply it to where it needs to go. Sure. So there's, you know, we've talked about a few different innovative ways to approach this. We've heard, well, we know about it at the pharmacy, but more and more people are talking about uh, this thing called low-dose naltrexone and how that can, you know, help or be a, a part of the equation here in terms of pain management. Are you um, familiar with low-dose naltrexone or like, can you explain a little bit how that works? Yeah, so that's, you know, glad you brought that up. That's, you know, really um, some of the new exciting um, treatment modalities that are coming out um, as an alternative to opioid therapy. And, um, you know, I myself, I'm educating myself every day more and more on it uh, because I, I, I think there's some promise there as to how it can be utilized to treat a lot of uh, our patients who have chronic pain and, and degenerative uh, diseases. So, what is, so you know, yeah. like the, the interesting thing about naltrexone or low-dose naltrexone, they call it LDN, uh, but really it just means low-dose naltrexone. And if you hear naltrexone and you hear opioids, the first thing you say is, well, you never would take an opioid and naltrexone together because, you know, one, it, it would counteract the naltrexone, would counteract possibly the effects of the, the, the opioid. But with pain management, which is pretty exciting and we're uh, exploring more all the time and, and then like the doctor says, educating ourselves on this, uh, instead of just using low-dose naltrexone, we're, you know, there are different things called like very low and ultra-low-dose naltrexone and Believe it or not, um, these these might just very very small amounts of um, naltrexone again uh, added in with the opioids, like not at the, the same tablets, but we compound the capsule of that. It's uh, we've seen some results, uh, and we've worked together with some patients where we're able to decrease the amount of opioids that they need while still still managing their pain, yeah. and that's it's kind of pretty exciting because. At the end of the day, we want people to feel better. We want them to take as little medicine as possible. And, um, you know, I think it's something that, uh, you know, I think that area is going to continue to grow and we're going to continue to explore it because um, it's really been very promising to, thus far. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, I, you know, as John had said, like some of my um, early impressions are that it can help reduce the dose of opioids that you're currently taking um, or, for that matter, help prevent an escalation of doses because it makes your current dosage, what you're taking more effective, so that way you don't require a higher exactly. dose. Sure, sure. Speaking of you know reducing the escalation, have you um, tried anything, are you familiar with CBD at all in that space mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, that's one of the other you know up and coming, cutting edge treatment modalities that uh, um, you're hearing more and more about every day. And um, um, some of the data is starting to come back that shows that yeah, it, it can play a role a role, a positive role in, in reducing pain, reducing inflammation, improving recovery um, from activities. A, a lot of uh, athletic patients um, and those that are exercising, whether it be for Spartan events or endurance <laughs> events, they're, you know, they're, they're um, looking into that as a way to, to prevent uh, injury and recover from uh, exercise. Sure. Yeah. I actually used it myself on my knees all the time for playing basketball yeah. and that kind of stuff. Just Absolutely. Some yeah, the topicals. Can't a lot jump of like take, I used uh, to, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see people use it orally for different things and sublingually, but it's uh, the uh, the roll-ons and stuff like that are definitely another alternative to um, some of the other topical things. Whether it be again, that's over the counter too. So um, you know, sometimes when you're just trying to supplement, you know, medicine and trying to take uh, as little as possible orally, uh, you know, getting something over the counter um, that's uh, effective and can give you a little bit of relief is is really worth exploring. Sure.
Do you have any thoughts going back to kind of what we were talking about at the beginning? And, you know, there's there's a little bit of a, a stigma with pain management sometimes, you know, and like maybe more so from the patient's perspective and the provider's perspective. But, you know, there's people don't want to feel like they're doing something wrong, but there's obviously still a need for it. How do you uh, feel about that or how do you approach that with your patients? Yeah, no, you know, obviously, you know, with the opioid crisis and, um, you know, the media's coverage of it, there was definitely a discussion as to what the role the pharmaceutical industry as a whole played, what role the medical industry, the physicians played in it. Um, And I'm fine with that discussion because, you know, the way I've always approached, you know, my training and and my, you know, treatment of of pain medicine, I've always felt was um, uh, in a a qualified, um, safe uh, manner. you know, I think that what's important for patients to understand um, is it's important to go to a board-certified um, sure. physician who um, understands pain management uh, from a comprehensive approach because it's not just about prescribing opioids or it's not just about doing um, steroid injections or just one modality. It, it's a combination of treatments that's going to give the best outcomes. Um, and I think you need to, as a patient, feel comfortable that you're physician or provider, you know, understands all those different options and recommends, you know, what they think is best for you. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not necessarily just about here's the pills. It's like, okay, well, what are the right ones yeah. and the right amounts of the right that'll actually be helpful and, you know, yeah. not going to go over the top or cause some of these side right. effects or some right. of Right. And like I think that. it's important, you know, you know, from the patient's you know, side, you know, to understand that opioids, you know, there is a role for it. It's not that uh, you should feel ashamed that you're on it because there is a role for it and and there is a role that was recommended from a chronic pain perspective for it. And there are guidelines as to how you should take it and how you can prescribe it safely. Um, So, you know, one of the things that unfortunately happened during the whole media coverage of the opioid crisis was, you know, a lot of people were lumped in together. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate because sometimes, you know, patients that are taking it in a safe, right manner were being, you know, lumped in and stereotyped with someone that was getting it from multiple pharmacies sure. or multiple different locations um, and not disclosing that and abusing it for one reason right. or Diverting the other. It, you know, that Diverting it, exactly. And, and it was unfortunate because the coverage of it, you know, lumped everybody together. Um, and, and we know as a physician, I know that that's not everybody. Um, and that there is a safe role for it, you know, um, and if we can combine it with some of the adjunctive therapies, especially the cutting edge stuff, like the uh, low dose naltrexone that, that John uh, mentioned, yeah, then, you know, it, it can have a beneficial outcome for you. I mean, it's a really good point you brought up. I mean, I can't tell you how many people that I knew that were just regular legitimate people who, when everything was coming out, the opioid crisis actually created a different kind of crisis, and yeah. that's, you know, and um, it was a difficult time for those people who had genuine yeah, pain and stuff yeah. like that. That and they did get lumped, and that's an excellent point you bring up. And uh, listen, hopefully we're moving past that. We're all trying to work responsibly to to uh, help people, and we try to encourage people um, to seek out professionals like yourself who are going to, uh, uh, you know, approach it with a, a wide variety of modalities, whether it be you know the injections, you know, making sure that they're doing their physical therapy and you know, using the pain supplements, uh, pain to supplement and as well. So it, it's just, you know, just being careful, being responsible, and we all have to be there in that together. Patient has to 
be on board with that. The pharmacy has to be on board with that. And we all have to work together yeah. to make sure that we're taking care of the person. And uh, but I think that you know we're moving towards a, a better a, a better place now with that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, thoughts here, doctor, as we wrap up about uh, you know pain management as a whole? I think look, you know, um, pain is an important signal from your body that something might be going on. Um, and I don't think it should be ignored, um, both from you know a, a patient's perspective and a provider's perspective, mm-hmm. um, because it require it's telling you that something needs to be investigated, and and once you understand that and you know you find a, a reputable um, physician that can help you do that investigation, um, and come up with a, an adequate treatment plan once they understand what's going on, then I think it, you know it's important to you know to uh, uh, look into that. Um, because, and, and also looking at the different uh, treatment modalities, it's important to understand where you're getting your medicines from. You know, if you're going, you know, to a compounding pharmacy, make sure it's a reputable one. Make sure they're using good quality products, um, and and there's good resources out there. And John can tell you some great resources um, and websites that you know patients can go to to find good compounding pharmacies and um, and, and and good uh, providers. Yeah, I think uh, what he's speaking of, and specifically as far as compounders, um, it's important as a pharmacy, uh, you know, and, and as a pharmacist, I source my chemicals. We all see these different things that what happened with uh, uh, the COVID thing and how things were on back order and you couldn't get anything. A lot of it was because yeah. people were getting, even pharmaceutical manufacturers, a lot of this country's pharmaceutical raw chemicals come from uh, China. And so one of the things we, we absolutely try to do our best is to completely avoid any buying anything that has made its way from china to the united states so and and the thing is that you have to go to a pharmacy that makes sure they buy buy their chemicals at you know reputable suppliers um so you can you can check if you're looking for a good compounder one way to check it is to go on the company called pcca which professional compounding centers of america pccarx.com and you can look in there put in your zip code so wherever you're watching us and joining today we're happy to have you here um, you could be out of state and stuff like that. You can look up, put up your zip code, and you can find a list of people in your area that are, are, are a part of that organization and um, are going to do a good job for you. So I do, fully, do feel that that's very important to make sure you get the right person to help you make your compounds. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Sy, for having us today here in Lyndhurst. Okay. And uh, thank you all for watching at home, and we'll see you on the next episode.